Welcome to the Peepcast, brought to you by Buffalo Wild Wings. It is February 7th, 2022. It is officially Super Bowl week. This is what it's all about. In this episode, we will break down key matchups with the Rams offense and the Bengals defense. We'll talk the Pro Bowl and what the heck is going on with Kyler Murray. Football is here. Championship football is here. Let's get it. Officially Super Bowl week, and we're going to talk all about it. We're going to talk. Uh, we're going to break down the Rams offense versus the Bengals defense. But first, we got to talk about the Pro Bowl. Ronnie and I, man, we watched this game, and we watched it while we were having breakfast, okay? Or brunch, I should say. And I don't know what was worse, the Pro Bowl and watching that horrid <laughs> game. I know where you're going with this. Or that Verde <laughs> Bloody Mary. Oh my gosh. It was like a, a cilantro smoothie. Ugh. <laughs> I was miserable. That was, I don't know. That was the worst of you. Yeah. No, it was terrible. It was horrible. It was just absolutely horrible. I mean, and then we had to watching... watch a, a glorified two hand touch game. Yeah. I, I guess it's more like a, a green Mary instead of a blood Mary, bloody Mary. I don't know. And watching the people around us trying to drink that thing too was, it was pretty comical. But uh, it was but, hilarious. But yeah. It was super funny. There was a couple people. So we uh, we went to this place, and I don't want to name the place, but it seems like you walk in, oh, it's going to be amazing. And, and we had gone there before, and it was kind of hit and miss. Uh, but the Bloody Marys were really good, and they had a flight this time. And so Ronnie and I, we love Bloody Marys, like, big time. That's that's our jam. Yeah. So we, we ordered the flight. And in the description, it even sounds like it would be amazing. But then we get, we're trying all of them. First one's good. Middle one was probably the best. And then we get to the green one. And just a look on both of our faces was one of almost betrayal. Like, why would you put this in front of me? But then people around us started getting it. And then we were, when are they going to take it? And that, that one guy that was like stirring it, like it was going to make it better. No, man, it was, it's not making it any better he, at all. He stirred that thing three or four times. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So yeah. there's that. And then there was the pro bowl game, which I'm speechless over that. I I'll be honest. I haven't watched a pro bowl game in, in years. Obviously we didn't have it in, in uh, 2020. There wasn't a pro bowl game. So this was really like the first one in a couple of years. And I, I've never been a huge fan of it, but this one, I mean, just really stood out to me. Like there was no tackling at all. Like it was two hand touch and I get why, but why are we playing the game then? Exactly. Yeah. They would go up to the line of scrimmage and snap the ball. And literally the offensive line and defensive line would just stand up and I guess handshake, look at each other, talk about breakfast, who knows, but it was, it was just, it was it was as disappointing as that Bloody Mary. <laughs> oh, which is pretty dang disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, okay. So, you know, basketball has their, their version. They have an all-star game, right? And they do theirs mid-season. Hockey has theirs. Um, baseball has theirs. And I get it. Like you can play a baseball game. There's going to, there's not going to be a high risk of injury. You can do that mid-season. Hockey, though, they do theirs midseason, and they play a game that is, you know, high-impact, high-intensity uh, type of game. Now, I know it's they don't play it as if, you know, their jobs are on the line. But then basketball, they kind of have their thing, too, and it, it, it's kind of the same thing. It's just kind of a, a, a show, but it's, it, it's a lot more entertaining. Then they have their skill competitions. They all have their skill competitions. But then it comes to football, and it seems like – you know, football has their skill competitions, but the Pro Bowl just falls flat. I, what do you think they need to do with this thing? You, you, do you chuck it all together? Do you do something completely different than some of these other teams? I mean, what, what are your thoughts on it, Ronnie? I think you just stick with the skill, skills challenge. Um, I did see that they had a little dodgeball uh, battle going on during the, the weekend, which is kind of cool. But I just the game itself has got to go. If they're not going to actually play any semblance of an NFL football game, then just take it all together. 
Um, if you do that, number one, it eliminates the need to award al alternates to the Pro Bowl roster, which is, I'm sorry, that's a participation award. Um, I made a comment yesterday on Twitter. You got about, in trouble on Twitter. Yes, you I did. You got in trouble on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I just made a, a simple comment that Mac Jones playing in this Pro Bowl is a, a, an example of why the Pro Bowl game itself is irrelevant and means nothing. And that's not a, a, a knock on Mac Jones at all. But you look at the AFC – and you can easily put five people in front of him and, and then some, like Lamar Jackson, Jackson, Josh Allen, Burrow, Mahomes, Carr, Herbert, just to name those six right there. At best, he's number seven in the conference. And as a rookie, that's really good. He had a great season as a rookie, and I'm not taking anything away from him. And I do think he's going to be a good quarterback and a legitimate starter in this league. But even after Hill, Tagovailoa, Wentz, Mayfield, all of those guys, I can guarantee you I can find somebody out there that thinks that they're, those quarterbacks are better than Mac Jones, too. So my point was not just to bash on Mac Jones because he's New England Patriots and I'm a Bills fan. That's not it at all. It's just a bash on the Pro Bowl, and the game is pointless. Get rid of it. You get rid of the, the alternates. You name the best two or three quarterbacks, best two or three at each position, and you call it a day. Uh, I saw one person uh, called out, hey, let's change it from the all-pro team to the all-Madden team in honor of John Madden. I think that's a fantastic idea. And then do a skills challenge. Have these guys play some dodgeball. Just, just go out there and have some fun. And, you know, bring back the old quarterback competition when they were see who could throw the farthest, hit the targets, and, and all of those things. That was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, you know, for me growing up, watching the Pro Bowl, I actually enjoyed it. It was a football game. Yeah, some of the rules were different. They didn't blitz and things like that, but they played a game and it was still entertaining to watch. What we saw yesterday, that was that was like practice in pads. It was just miserable to see. I've seen walkthroughs that are more intense than that, quite frankly. Yeah. You know, and it, you know, we're both football guys and I get it. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I don't want to see a full-on intense football game at the Pro Bowl because going into the game, <laughs> I did not want any of the 49er players getting hurt. I was like, God, if one of them gets hurt, like doing this stupid stuff, I'm going right. to be irritated. So that's where I think it has kind of gone the way that it is. But you're absolutely right. I remember the quarterback, like the quarterback club. You remember that? Like, and they yeah. had a video mm -hmm. game about it where you had to throw, uh, hit these moving targets and, who could throw the furthest and all that stuff. That was so entertaining. I also remember ESPN had, they, they did every sport or every kind of challenge other than football. They, and Peyton Manning was on there. Like Eli was on there and they did dodgeball. They did, uh, oh my gosh. I There were so many things that they did and that was super entertaining. Do something like that. Like these are all players that are like, First of all, you're cutting into their off season a little bit and you're they're not going to Hawaii anymore. So what's better than Hawaii? You want to take him to Vegas? There's already a player that got in trouble. Uh, Alvin Kamara got arrested. We're not going to dive into any of that nonsense. But you really think that after a long season, having some of your best players go to a place where they can get in trouble? Are you kidding me? And now I, I know that. Like, okay, then they need to be responsible, all that. Yeah, no, I get it. But you're asking for trouble in that situation. You know what I mean? You're not gonna send your your 21-year-old off to, you know, Vegas for the first time after a long school year and just be like, have fun with your friends and expect nothing bad to happen. You're not gonna yeah. do that. Yeah, like, we you know, obviously we expect these guys to make the right choices, but don't put them in a position where they have to make those choices. And I think yeah. that's what you're saying there. Yeah, that, exactly. And, I mean, and these aren't just, I, I guess where I'm coming from with it is these aren't just your everyday guys and not, not like making light of anybody that's on practice squads or who didn't make the Pro Bowl, but these are the face of the league. Like what would happen if Patrick Mahomes got in trouble in Vegas? It'd be a big deal. It'd be look horrible on the league. Like you're just yeah. asking for, for trouble in a way. But and for what a two end touch football game, get rid of the Pro Bowl. I don't mind. It. I can even deal with it being in Vegas as long as you just let them just kind of have fun. 
in a skills competition that makes it enjoyable for everybody. Cause I, I just can't imagine, you know, 20, 30, 40,000 people showing up for, for that consistently year in and year out. It, I don't know. It just feels weird. And I, and I get it. Football's football's different, but there, there has to be a better option than what we saw. Yeah. All the right. Option we'll get is off just our, get rid of it. <laughs> you just get rid of it. Just get rid of it. I'm going to get off my pro bowl soapbox because I was irritated watching that. Um, but there was some big news today and it had to do with social media and it had to do with the quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals. And it was very strange, Ronnie, very strange. Yeah. Out of left field for sure. Um, Kyler oh, Murray, little, little baseball pun there. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. It's the strangest thing. Like we've heard of players doing this in the past, but typically it's towards the tail end of a almost divorce, if you will. And it's a, a public when everybody knows it's coming type of thing. But Kyler Murray just, again, out of left field, pulls down any references to Arizona Cardinals from any of his social media uh, platforms. Um, I heard uh, from some people saying that if you didn't know who he was and you go and take a look at his social media, whether it be Twitter, Instagram, whatever the case may be, you you would know that he played for Oklahoma, and you would think he played for the Oakland A's. We all know he was drafted by the A's ninth overall, and uh, you know obviously chose to play football for the the Cardinals. But then this, uh, he hasn't come out and said anything as far as explanation, what it means. It's just really weird. And to me, it says one of two things: either he wants out of Arizona, or he's posturing for a new contract. Yeah, it's really weird. So. Uh, to be clear of what happened for, for those that don't know. So, you know, all these athletes, they have their social media profiles and, and all that. stuff. So just like, I, I guess, any of us that are on social media and one of the main things that they do, they, you know, they follow their team. They have, you know, pictures of them with their team. It's kind of the, you know, kind of being a face of that. And when you're the quarterback, the number one overall pick in, in 2019, Kyler Murray, you know, you're the face of the franchise. And what he did was he, unfollowed and I know this sounds childish even saying this right now but he unfollowed the Arizona Cardinals but he removed basically all the pictures of him in an Arizona Cardinals uniform and it doesn't look like that he even plays for them right now which is strange because he's under contract um I'm sure that they'll extend his fifth year option this offseason for 2023 so realistically he's still going to be under contract with them for two more seasons and he just doesn't seem like a guy that would do this. I, and you know, it's going to get noticed. Like, you know, that it's intentional. Like he's doing this to make a point for something, but you never hear like a peep out of him. Like normally there's rumblings before things like this happen. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, well he's destructive. Oh, now he did that. So that and it kind of adds on top of it. But in this situation, it just, he just did it and nobody knows why. And it, it just seems really odd. And my thought when I was talking, was did the Rams really beat the you know the love of football out of him in the, in the, in the wild card like that was my thought was like did he really get there and he, he just doesn't love because he does have another option you know some of these other guys they don't like that's their thing is football but he has the option he was drafted by the Oakland A's and he could go play baseball if he wanted but it just seems so strange like why now yeah, and you like you said a while ago in that Rams game, we commented uh, on our our post game reaction show on that he looked disengaged, like he was not interested in what was going on at all, and it showed on the field. So you, yeah, you kind of wonder like, is there something else going on with him internally that maybe he's reconsidering his options as far as playing baseball? And if yeah. that's the case, then so be it. I mean. I wish him nothing but luck, but I think there's a better way to go about doing this if that's your, your end game, but, but who knows? Yeah. And it it, is so strange because, you know, he, he got a $35 million signing bonus, which that gets paid to you up front. And on the cap, what they do is they spread it out over a, a number of years, but you get that up front. He'll have to pay. But and I get that. Like, if he wants to go play baseball, let him go play baseball. Like that, that's fine. There is a better way to go about it. It's called open dialogue and open communication. My biggest thing was when he came out of the draft was his overall size. Like I didn't think that 
his body would be able to, you know, hang in there and take some of these shots from, I mean, these linebackers are, are so big and fast and he's just out running him and he still does a good job with it. But I got to think maybe it's taken a toll on him. I, I can only speculate at this point, but I mean, that really could have something to do with it. If he was, you know, a different size, potentially, we might not be having this discussion, but maybe it's wearing on him and it, it's kind of taking some of the fun out of it for him. Yeah, it could very well be. And if you look at his career, too, even going back, so he's been with their three years now. 2019 was his rookie year. Uh, they started the season out 3-4-1. and one. They had a tie there. I believe it was the first week of the season. And then they finished 2-6. and six. And you look at 2020, same thing. Started 6-3, and three, finished 3-4. Three and four. This year, started 8-1, and one, finished 3-6. and six. So I, I don't know. It's like he starts out strong and then just fizzles at the end. And now, and that could be him. That could be the head coach, um, Kingsbury, or yeah, yeah, Cliff Kingsbury. It could be a combination of them. It could be the whole, I mean, who knows? But it's just three years in a row now that that has been the case. Um, I mean, that's a trend. That That's a thing. There's, there's a reason for that. Oh, it, it absolutely is. And you think, you know, Kyler Murray, he, he, he was hurt last year. So 20, 2020. And then this year you could tell there was a, there was a drop off, not just in his play, but you know, Deandre Hopkins wasn't there. And then he, he really, he got beat down in that wild card game. They got a lot of pressure on him. Uh, the Rams did. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I don't want to speak for him, obviously. I don't know what's going on. I, we're all in the dark, and all we can do is speculate at this point, and maybe it's just something he just unfollowed them or, or whatever, but you, th- there's a reason behind it. That, you know, he just doesn't – you don't think people just do that for no reason, you know, and um, I got to wonder what that is, but I'll tell you what, selfishly, very selfishly, I might add, if he left the NFC West, I wouldn't be that – I wouldn't be that upset. If you want to go play <laughs> baseball, go play baseball. We don't have to chase you around anymore. That's totally there you fine. Go. <laughs> That's totally fine. I'm I'm cool with it. Go play baseball. That's what you want to do. I'm I'm cool with it. All good luck to you, Kyler Murray. But very strange situation. And all this offseason stuff, like we keep talking about this. Like the, there's little things that just keep creeping up. And it has to do with quarterbacks all the time. Yeah. Well, you mentioned earlier when you and I were just conversating, uh, we still have this discussion with uh, Deshaun Watson going on, too. That hasn't come up in a while. So, you, you know, that's going to be a big offseason uh, deal, too. It really is. And, I mean, the the new league year is going to – I, I want to say that it's right around, uh, like, March 7th. And then uh, free agency is going to take place uh, March 14th. We'll we'll get more on the, on the exact dates uh, coming up. But we got a big game coming up this Sunday – and you want to know what's crazy about the Pro Bowl is that it's like it almost gets you ready for the offseason. Like that one, I was just like, God, you know, this is – I feel like you're getting me ready for the offseason. And then you're going to hit me with a huge game. And it's, you know, the Rams and the Bengals, and I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, uh, there's there's a lot going on in this game. I think we – we I think we both probably kind of agree a little bit on what the, the keys of this game is going to be, where the, the key matchups are. But – um yeah, I'm excited to get into it and uh, looking forward to the game this weekend and the halftime show. Did I mention the halftime show? I'm kind of oh, excited man. about the halftime show. Oh, man. We are, <laughs> yeah, we're going to show our age. Our age is going to shine through. Well, we're going to start talking about uh, the Super Bowl here coming up. We are going to take a quick break and we're going to talk about, or we're going to listen about some Buffalo Wild Wings and how great that place is. And when we come back, We're going to start breaking down the Super Bowl. We're going to break it down within two episodes. So we're going to talk uh, Rams offense and Bengals defense. And then on Friday's episode, we're going to get into the rest of everything else. We're going to have a really good conversation. We're going to bring up all the sound bites uh, that have happened throughout the week during uh, media week. And then we're going to bank our picks on Friday. So we're going to talk about it. And we're going to see if I'm going to take the Rams standpoint. And Ronnie's going to take the Bengals standpoint. We're going to see if we can get the other one to be convinced one way or the other, if he's going to join my club or if I'm going to join his club. So lots to listen to. But first, before we get there, let's listen to some Buffalo Wild Wings. 
So this one time at B-dubs, two friends came in for BOGO boneless Thursdays, and one of them's hyping it up like crazy, talking about how our boneless are meatier, crispier, and juicier than ever. Plus, they're buy one, get one free all day on Thursdays. That's like finding a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and another one full of free wings. To the greatest of all times, get here for boneless Thursdays at Buffalo Wild Wings. BOGO boneless wings of equal value at participating locations on Thursdays. Not valid with other offers. Size exclusion supply. While supplies last. Limit one. Fees may apply. I'm always excited to eat some wings. Now that's all I want. We're going to talk the Super Bowl. But there was a big coaching hire that took place even as we were starting to record this. So, Ronnie, there's a big name coach that got hired for the Houston Texans and then also the Miami Dolphins. Uh, they named their coach uh, yesterday evening, by the way. Uh, so what do you got on the on the Texans coach? Well, so – with Lovey Smith, we uh, most NFL fans I think are familiar with him. He coached with the Bears uh, to, from 2004 to 12, and uh, had some really good seasons. Took him to the Super Bowl in 2006. Uh, he had a 13 and three record, mostly known for their defense during that time frame. I personally am a Lovey Smith fan. I, I don't think he should have got fired in the first place, but obviously he was. Um, he compiled an 81 and 63 record with the Bears. And uh, he took a year off 2013, 2014, came back, coached uh, Tampa Bay, only went 8-24 and 24 there. Uh, so n not quite the same success, obviously. But um, I think it's a good hire for them. I think they need somebody that's got some experience and can help stabilize that, uh, that organization because they definitely need it. And I think it's going to be a long offseason still for them, and they've got to get this Deshaun Watson thing behind them. Uh, so they can move forward because I don't think they can move forward until that happens. Yeah, absolutely. I was actually surprised when they fired David Colley because I thought he did a tremendous yeah. job, especially the latter part of the season. But Lovey Smith was their defensive coordinator. He was also their assistant head coach uh, this last season, 2021. So he's he's familiar with the players. And it, it, I mean, he beat out some big names, um, you know, Brian Flores. Um, as well as, oh my gosh, I'm trying to think of his name. Um, I can't think of it at the moment, but he, oh, Eric Vietnamy. I know that he was uh, somebody that they had spoke to. So there was a couple guys that were in the running there. Um, Eric Vietnamy has not got a head coaching gig. So that'll, we'll take a look and see what goes on. There's going to be a lot of stuff. They're going to piece together their, uh, their staffs, but one that I wanted to talk about was Mike McDaniel is now the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. For those of you who don't know who Mike McDaniel is, he has been with Kyle Shanahan for the last 10 seasons. Every stop that Kyle Shanahan has been on. Um, he was an offensive coordinator uh, this last season for the 49ers. He's a first-time uh, coordinator, but he was instrumental in their, their run game uh, since he's been there with Kyle. So I'm curious to see what's going to happen there. One of the the reports that I read about uh, Mike McDaniel and how he got this job, because he was up against it against Kellen Moore um, as well, who interviewed um, yesterday. And apparently his big selling point was his view of Tua Tagovailoa and how he can make him a successful quarterback. So uh, we'll see there, but um Two really big hires, so it seems like everybody has been uh, hired there. And uh, I'm ready to talk about the Super Bowl, Ronnie. How about you? Uh, yeah, there was actually one more, too. Dennis Allen got the Saints job. He squeezed in this afternoon, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. They they just announced that one today. He's got a little bit of a coaching history as well as far as being a head coach with Oakland. Uh, he only went 8-28, and got fired four games into the 2014 season, so we'll see how that one works out as well. Yeah, he was a defensive coordinator uh, in New Orleans, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, it, interesting. Um, it, it, it's crazy because we still got games going on. Obviously, the big game this weekend and head coaches, you know, kind of uh, this is kind of late in the game, too, for some of these staffs. Normally, uh, he's going to kick off here in, in about a month. So there's a lot of work to be done by these these new head coaches. Without further ado, further ado, I should say, <laughs> uh, we got the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 56 in Los Angeles. 
the road team is actually the Rams, even though that they're technically playing at home. Uh, the Bengals will be the home team. They'll be wearing their black uniforms, which I think are just so, so clean. They're black jerseys with their white pants. Uh, and we're going to talk, we're going to break down the offense of the Rams versus the Bengals defense. And this is going to be critical, a critical matchup. But Ronnie, I'm going to let you take this first and we'll start the dialogue. But there's some critical matchups on the outside uh, for the Bengals defense and the Rams offense. You got Odell Beckham Jr., who's really been coming on. Obviously, you got Cooper Cup, who's been an all world receiver, a triple crown winner this year. And then Matt Stafford, who has been hot in the playoffs. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, this I, I think this whole game is going to be determined in the trenches. Uh, you've got – you look at the Bengals' defense. Statistically, as far as total rush yards, uh, they're in the top ten. But when you look at it a little deeper, teams are only running against them about a third of the time of their play calls. Uh, so that's kind of misleading. So I went and took a look at what are they giving up when they, teams do run it. They're giving up an average of 4.3 yards per carry uh, in the – um, and during the regular season and in the playoffs, well, last week against the Chiefs, they were giving up 5.8 yards per carry, which kind of begs the question, why didn't the Chiefs run it more and, you know, kind of salt that game away? But they chose not to do that. And we know what happened. They never do that. And I, I've always said that really since Patrick Mahomes has got there. And I know we're not going to talk about the Chiefs, but it drives me crazy how much they decide not to run the ball and how much it would help them if they did. Yeah, and it's crazy too when you look at the, the the numbers because they give up, I believe it was 6.7 yards per pass attempt, which is about middle of the road as far as the league goes. But if you're giving up 4.3 yards, and I believe that ranked them somewhere in the 20s, um, why teams are choosing to run or try to, to throw it against them baffles me when you've got that front four that they have with Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard combined for – over 27 or combined for 27 total sacks in the regular season. You've got BJ Hill and Larry Ogunjobi. Hope I said that correctly. Uh, <laughs> I, I think you nailed it. All right. They've both got seven sacks apiece. So that front four can really wreak some havoc. And they've been doing that in the playoffs. And that's kind of been the difference, I think. Um, they got after Mahomes last week, sacked him four times. And this was an interesting thing that I uh, pulled out when they actually got two sacks on three man rushes like that's unheard of you don't get sacked when you're rushing three so if they can do that against the rams front uh their offensive line it could be a long day for stafford yeah it, it really could now the thing that i think that is misleading that when you talk about especially the pressures that they got against kansas city the reason that they got that pressure was because mahomes was not getting rid of the football he was running around and he was circling back in the backfield, you know, and they got him a couple times. And to me, that kind of changed the game for whatever reason. I don't know why. It, I know that there were some guys open. I don't know if he just wanted, you know, a bigger play or, or w whatever it was. But, you know, the, the Rams offensive line, you know, they've struggled a little bit, especially, you know, down the stretch um, in the NFC Championship game. Matt Stafford did get pressured nine times. Um, so he was getting hit, and we know what happens with Stafford. Now, he, there's a couple different statistics on him. When you blitz him, he's the best quarterback in the league. 136 rating, he makes it rain, and that's how he beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He he made that very difficult on a team that likes to blitz, and he, he made him pay for it. Now, the 49ers, they don't blitz much, and they cause pressure. Now, when... Stafford is pressured he's only the 20th best quarterback in the league with a 63 rating and he does turn over the ball sometimes so that is my um you know that's going to be key like you say it's it's going to be one in the trenches but what's the result of that is getting to Matt Stafford is he going to turn over the ball at a critical point he has before that's kind of been his his mo even going back to Detroit Right. Now he's even turned. Matter of fact, they might not be playing in this game if Jaquaski Tart catches that interception with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter with the 49ers up two points. So it almost cost them getting to this point. So that's my mm -hmm. biggest thing. So 
they need to run the ball with Cam Akers. Now, the problem that I see with this, I think Sony Michelle might end up having potentially a bigger workload than Cam Akers because Cam Akers, yeah, he's done great coming back from his Achilles, but he hurt his shoulder in that NFC Championship game. He did not practice. Now, I know that's early in the week on the September 4th uh, practice report. Um, he did not practice. There was a number of um, Rams that didn't practice. Um, Andrew Whitworth was one, and that was, uh, you know, he's he was questionable with the quad. Uh, Taylor Rapp, he was full practice on September 4th. Uh, let's see, Cam Akers, though, questionable with a shoulder. So that's going to be – that's going to be – something to keep an eye on all week long because if they're not going to have that dual threat in the in the in the backfield between Cam Akers and Sony Michelle and you're going to ask Matt Stafford to throw the ball 45 times and allow somebody like Trey Hendrickson to get after you that could be a problem it could be and to your point too the Bengals don't really blitz a lot either uh they're 26 in blitz percentage actually so they get after you with their front four as well uh, so you're right. That's going to be huge if they can get into uh, Stafford's face and, and cause him to have to, you know, move his point around in the pocket. That could be a big thing. The Rams actually have five turnovers in the last two games. Should have been six, as you pointed out a while ago. Uh, and if that sixth one had happened, we'd probably be talking about a different team right now. But, uh, but yeah. Oh, I, oh that hurt. <laughs> uh, it's going to be interesting. Huge matchup right there. Down in the trenches between the, the Rams offensive line and the, the pass rush of the Bengals. And um, also, Rob Havenstein of the Rams offensive line has given up seven sacks in this year, not not counting the playoffs, but just in the regular season, seven sacks on the year, which is kind of high. So um, yeah. we'll see if they can take advantage of him. And, and you know that – so I fully expect Trey Hendrickson to line up over Havenstein on on that the right side of the offensive line now the thing that Stafford has going for him is that he's got the triple crown winner out there in the slot receiver where they they put Cooper Cup they're going to want to get the ball in his hands and quite honestly if you guys like to bet on Super Bowl MVPs put your name down on because he's going to touch the ball early he's going to touch it often and there hasn't been a lot of teams that have been able to contain him and I think that's going to be a huge matchup between him and, oh, ready for this name, Chidibe Uwuzie. <laughs> there you go. Good job. He, yeah, man, <laughs> uh, that was almost as bad as that uh, Bloody Mary. But um, <laughs> Cooper Cup is going to be matched up. And I will tell you, and I want to ask you this, Ronnie, because, you know, we're sitting here talking about, oh, yeah, you know, the Rams, they have the potential to be high powered, but they beat potentially the the highest powered offense in the league twice now with Kansas City and they they've done it by getting up in the receivers faces and not allowing them a lot of space so I'm a little bit nervous about that matchup I'm, I'm supposed to be convincing you the more that I kind of look at this and, <laughs> and who the Bengals have played and how they've gotten uh how they've been successful I mean, I think Cup will get his numbers, but it might come down to Odell Beckham Jr. He needs to be productive as well. Yeah, I, and I think he'll get his. You also mentioned Cam Akers. If he plays, I think he'll play a huge role coming out of the backfield uh, in particular. Uh, and also um, Tyler Higby and Vance, John, uh, Joe, Vance John, Johnson? Jefferson. Jefferson. Uh, I think he could play a role as well. And But you're right. Cup's going to get his. I think he's going to probably get over 100 easily. Um, and we saw last week both Cup and OBJ were heavily targeted. And I think it happens again this week. And But uh, the the corners for the, the Bengals, Eli Apple and Awuzie, they're, they're good. They're serviceable starters. They're certainly uh, not a lockdown type guy that you have with Ramsey. But um, I, I kind of anticipate maybe they play a little bit of zone here. Because I think if you try to man up, even if you go face-to-face -face with Cup and OBJ, you're going to get beat somewhere. And that's the thing with the Chiefs. You can do that because it's Hill and then, yeah, they've got some other receivers that can run. But they're not they're not all-world receivers like what the Rams have right now with the, the duo of Cup and OBJ. 
Yeah, and, and the Rams, they're, they're kind of beat up a little bit too because uh, Van Jefferson, uh, he also went out in, uh, with a knee injury in the NFC Championship game. And Tyler Higby, he has an MCL sprain. He went out in that NFC Championship game. So to replace um, Tyler Higby, which he's a huge part of their offense, by the way, they only have one other tight end on the roster. And if you can name him, Ronnie, I would love to give you props. I'm going to give you two seconds. <laughs> you know his name? No, I don't have that one. I doubt anybody knows his name, but it's Kendall Blanton. And he had five catches for 51 yards. He actually, in the NFC Championship game, he came along and made some big plays for that Rams offense championship game. So if Tyler Higby cannot play, which, by the way, he's beat up, He's going to be a huge role. I would, I would really, if I'm the Bengals, I would almost want to line up uh, Trey Hendrickson on that tight end side because you're going to have a guy that hasn't played a lot this season. Uh, and then on the right-hand side against Hedenstein, who has given up a lot of sacks this season, that could be a potential matchup. But Eli Apple going up against Odell Beckham, weren't they Giants teammates at one point? At one point, yeah. And that the Bengals have six takeaways too in this playoff so far, two in each game. Uh, that could play a huge role as well if they can get a couple. It, it's going to be huge. And so, yeah, I think it's going to come down to it, it's going to come down to turnovers. It always does. It's going to be it's going to be one of those games where it's going to be one in the trenches. Who's able to get to the other quarterback more? Now, we're going to talk about this uh, on Friday. But Joe Burrow is going to have to watch out a little bit too. It's not going to be just Matt uh, Stafford that's that's under pressure. But oh, there's yeah. a couple things that I really like from the Bengals defense. Uh, Von Bell, he has been a playmaker for them, and he I honestly think that he's going to get some uh, some plays and some balls targeted towards him because outside of Odell Beckham Jr. and Cooper Cup, Higby's banged up. Van Jefferson's ba uh, banged up. Cam Akers is banged up. Like, it might be slim pickings for the Rams as far as uh, who Stafford's going to be able to target. It could be. I personally anticipate the majority of these guys probably playing. Um, but who knows? There's no way they're missing the Super Bowl. What's that? There's no way that they're missing the Super right. Bowl. Yeah. But, like, how healthy are they going to be? You know, these are some serious type of injuries with, you know, mm -hmm. you're talking about a receiver with a knee. You're talking about a, a tight end with, with a knee. They had to almost carry him off the field. So, and then Cam Akers and his shoulder. I think Cam Akers plays. I think he'll be fine. Um, but that those two, Van Jefferson and Tyler Higby, they really kind of take some of the pressure off of Cooper Cup having to do it all the time. Or Odell Beckham Jr., who's still, when you think about it, he's still relatively new in that offense. He only came over halfway through the season. so And he's just starting to come on. Um, as I'm looking at this, can the Rams do it? Absolutely. Those are two big names that can, that can absolutely light it up. But who else besides that? What other depth do they have? And I think that could... Uh, be an advantage for the Bengals potentially it could potentially and last week or not yeah last week in the uh conference championship game I believe they had between the two cup and OBJ I think it was 21 targets and then there was the rest of the team so they're they're going to go after those two guys they're going to get them the ball they're going to find a way that said I think Akers is going to have himself a game not necessarily running the ball I think that uh, to try to take advantage of the Bengals' aggressive pass rush. You're going to see some screens, uh, and I think some pass to, to, to Akers, and Michelle, too, for that matter, because he's not a bad running back in his own right. Yeah, and, and one, one spot that I wanted to bring up, because actually looking at the Bengals' defense, one person that we haven't brought up and who I actually think is one of the better nickel cornerbacks in the league who will probably line up head to head against Cooper cup more often than not in their nickel package is Mike Hilton. Now he's having a, a heck of a season. He obviously came over from the Steelers, but he's a really good nickel back. When you look at the Bengals def uh, defense, you got uh, Chidube Ouzier. He's going to line up outside at corner. You got Eli Apple. Then you have Mike Hilton. But then the backfield as well, uh, when the safeties, you got Von Bell 
and then you also have Jesse Bates uh, playing back there. Now, Jesse Bates had a great 2020 where he had an elite grade, uh, according to Pro Football Focus. Not quite that same spot this season, but you have a, a really good secondary that has been coming on and have some momentum going into this game as well. Yeah, I think their secondary is actually underrated personally. I think they are better than they're given credit for. Uh, and like I said well earlier, they allow only 6.7 yards per pass, which is somewhere in the middle of the league. So it's not not terrible. Uh, it is like, and this is reason why I'm kind of saying that you know Akers and Michelle could really be the keys here because one in the passing game, but two the Bengals run defense actually really isn't that good. So mm-hmm. if uh, if McVay decides to take it out of Stafford's hands and run it, uh, that that could be an advantage uh, for for the Rams. Speaking of Stafford, before I forget, I just want to say happy birthday. He turns 34 today. Oh, wow. <laughs> 34. Wow. He, it doesn't seem like he's one of the older quarterbacks, but then you remember, you, you I guess all those uh, seasons in Detroit, you just want to forget. And I'm sure that he does too. Uh, but what a season for him. I mean, you want to talk about a storyline. He hadn't had any success, especially in the postseason, And that was his big question. You and I talked about it yeah. on this show. And now he's here in the big stage and I mean, you know how much it means to him. He's I, I don't think that there's any stage that's too big for Matt Stafford. Um, I, I, I think that he has the ability to get it done. He's got a huge arm. He's got some weapons. But I would be surprised if they allow him to throw 45 times. They have to establish a run in this game. They absolutely have to. And, and you're, you're right. I think that is the weakness in the Bengals' defense is running the ball. And I, I have to think that Sean McVay has got to be disciplined enough to keep them honest with some runs, some screens. Even if it's a tunnel screen out to Cup, you know that they're going to be looking for it. Yeah. Get, get the ball outside to OBJ. He's good in those situations. Uh, Cam Akers, Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle runs hard, by the way, and he's been to a Super Bowl as well. He knows what this stage is like. So, you know, they're going to have their opportunities. And I think the the Rams, for me, they have to be able to run the ball. If they don't run the ball 20, 25 times, even upwards, uh, I don't think they run it 30 times. For me, I think if they get 25 carries, uh, between Akers and Sony Michelle, I think they'll be in really, really good shape in this game. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And but it's interesting that we we say this, and going back to my earlier statement, teams are only running about a third of the time against them uh, on play calls. Which, again, I I don't understand that. Like, you just look at the numbers and you can see where to attack them at, and teams don't do that. I don't know yeah. why. I'm not a coach, but just from what I can see. You should be running the ball against the, the the Bengals front. You take out the pass rush. You take out any risk of, of um, throwing in interceptions to any of those defensive backs that you mentioned, Von Bell, um, Apple, and Awuzie. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. I'm with you, though. I think 25, 25 or more carries on the ground could make, a, could make the difference in this. There's a couple of other things that I wanted to – to bring up and point out in this game, these two teams are the top two teams that utilize 11 personnel. They're one and two uh, with the Rams being one, of course, and then the Bengals too. So I found that to be kind of interesting. Now 11 personnel, that's one tight end, one running back. So that's without uh, a fullback. So a majority of the time when you're in 11 personnel, that means you have three receivers on the field there. So that means, and it, it's no surprise to me on, on, on between these two teams as well, that, that it's like that because on the Bengal side, they got three good receivers and on the Ram side, they got some good receivers too. So, you know, between Odell Beckham, Cooper cup, uh, I can't imagine what this offense would look like with Robert Woods in there. They have got to be missing <laughs> Bobby trees out there. Oh, wow. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do this offseason, too, because we know uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Is a, is a free agent, and he's getting paid beans right now. So, you know, he's going to be looking to get paid. Um, the uh, oh, There was something else I wanted to to bring up related well, what, to the Rams. but <laughs> Yeah, while you're mind. thinking of that, one thing I wanted to ask you was, when you look between the Bengals' defense and the Rams' offense, 
what do you think is really kind of the the matchup that that you're really looking out for that you think that could decide um but you know because the rams offense isn't going to play the Bengals offense they're only going to be playing against the Bengals defense so what do you think is going to be kind of the x factor or matchup that you're going to look at between the rams offense and the Bengals defense well so i'll just go back to what i was going to say then slip my mind so it's interesting that both of these teams especially on the defensive side well offensive side for that matter are built similarly you could say that one is more talented than the other but they both utilize 11 personnel they they uh, both mm-hmm. have really good wide receiver cores their defenses are built to get after the quarterback and stop the pass and force turnovers and mm-hmm. get sacks so that to me is fascinating it's like a strength versus strength type of situation that said i think it's going to come down to um, those two on the Bengals front uh, between Hendrickson and Hubbard. I really think if they, if they can get after um, Stafford, as you mentioned, he, he is prone to make some mistakes and some kind of boneheaded decisions with the ball. And um, if they can get after him, that can make the difference. Yeah, I, that, that's tough. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go a little bit of a different way and I'm going to go with, um, Cooper Cup and whoever he's matched up against. And I think he's going to see a lot of Mike Hilton. Um, I know that the the Bengals, they like to use him uh, in the slot. He's our nickel cornerback. He comes in off the blitz as a nickel defender. He's got to defend the run. He's got a lot on his plate. But that is the matchup that I'm looking for is how well is Mike Hilton able to – you're not going to shut down Cooper Cup. You're not going to. Um not the season that he's had. Maybe we can talk about that in, in 2022, but he he's heavily targeted. They get the ball mm-hmm. in his hands. They have plays drawn up for him. He's going to see his targets. Now what happens afterwards? One of the things I noticed about the Bengals defense, they don't allow a lot of yards after the catch. They just simply don't. They allow the catch and then they make the tackle relatively quick. And you know about any of these West Coast types of teams, especially Sean McVay. He comes from, you know, the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree. They like a lot of catch and run. So I think if the Bengals are able to limit that, but my matchup that I'm looking out for between the Rams offense and the Bengals defense is Cooper Cup and Mike Hilton. If, if, if Cooper Cup is able to go off for over 100 yards, that's trouble. Because here's a stat that I want you all to pay attention to this weekend and Sunday during the big game. The Rams are 11 and 0 when Stafford has a hundred or, or more rating. Okay. That means he's not turning over the ball. He's playing really, really well when he's playing really, really well. Cooper cup is really, really playing well. Okay. That's like his safety blanket. That's who he knows this, this season and who obviously he's been wanting to target when things are at their most dire. Okay, so the Rams are 11 and 0 when Stafford has 100 or more rating. And a lot of that is going to have to do with how Cooper Cup is able to beat Mike Hilton, who's going to be in front of him. And that's my key uh, on the Rams offense in this week's Super Bowl. I can get on board with that. It's going to be a great game. And I cannot wait to see that some of these matchups that, that are going to be within the game, the the corners versus the receivers the offensive versus defensive line uh it's going to be a a great game both of these teams really are kind of evenly matched uh even though on paper if you just go off of names you would say the rams they're way far by far the more talented team but uh both teams have scored exactly 460 points in the regular season points allowed is 372 versus the Bengals 376 so literally a four point differential between these wow It's insane. Uh, so I think this game is going to it's going to come down to the end. And um, both of these quarterbacks have kind of shown that they are not too big for this stage. But uh, you did ask me not too long ago who I would take between these two if it came right down to it. And uh, um, Stafford's proven it a lot more, but it's going to be interesting. And I can't wait till we dive into the other side of the ball on on Friday. Yeah, Friday, we're going to talk about it. We're going to make our picks on Friday as well. I, I'm not, I mean, even just talking through the Rams offense versus the Bengals defense, I'm not sold. I think there's some there's some good matchups for sure. 
and it can go a couple of different ways, but you know, you're absolutely right. They are pretty evenly matched and it's almost, it's almost kind of comical in a way that this is the Super Bowl that America deserves. And you want to know why? Because these two teams, they have gone through a lot this season, their ups and downs. Um, Stafford's had his ups and downs. They have built their way through just making a bunch of trades. They're here for the here and now. And then on the Bengals side, they kind of came out of nowhere and won the NFC uh, or the AFC North. And they had to fight their way through that division. And then they came through and beat the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City in the AFC Championship game. And they are on a roll. And you got to imagine that the entire city of Cincinnati, who's never won a Super Bowl, is extremely excited. By the way, Cleveland is in Ohio. And you know how starved they are for any sort of championship. <laughs> yeah, Cincinnati's in Ohio as well. So that that place is going to go absolutely uh, crazy. I can't wait to see all the cameras going back to Ohio and showing some of these uh, longtime fans. But it's, this is going to be a, an amazing game. And I think we're all in for a treat because there's going to be some names that you may have never heard about before. Some, some of you guys that you know, don't follow the game as religiously as us. And I'm learning some of these names as well, uh, by the way. Um, it's going to be great to see them on the big stage and and duke it out for, you know, the ultimate prize. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's a battle of number one uh, draft picks and the two quarterbacks. Uh, interestingly enough, it's only the second time that that's ever happened. Previously, it was Peyton Manning versus Cam Newton back in Super Bowl 50. But uh, there's a lot of interesting matchups in this one. The two, these two teams are far more evenly matched than people realize. And uh, I don't think a lot of people are giving the Bengals much of a chance other than Bengals fans. But um, I, this, I think this thing could come down to the kickers. And uh, we'll talk about that on Friday. Oh, yeah. We, I, I can't wait to talk about this. So we're going to leave you guys hanging. I'm, I'm sitting here. I don't even know who I'm going to pick yet. Uh, I'm confusing myself with every <laughs> sentence that I'm trying to break these down. And I know, Ronnie, you're doing the same. Oh, yeah. I have no clue which direction I'm going right now. It, this is, uh, th- this is going to be a really good game. So we'll leave you there. On Friday, we're going to finish breaking down the Super Bowl. We're going to talk about the rest. And the, really the big matchup that we're, we saved for Friday is that Bengals offense versus that Rams defense. There's some huge names on both sides of the ball, um, some new names that are big names and some older names that have been big names, some names that have been to the big game before and have actually won it before. Von Miller, he's excited to get back, and I'm sure that oh, he's yeah. excited to get after some quarterbacks. So um, I can't wait, but Ronnie, until Friday, I think we're out. I, th- I believe so. We're out.